Welcome to Launch Left, an intentional space for art and activism, a podcast, a label, a launchpad for left of center artists. Today's very special guests are James Blake. He'll be launching Cushy. They both put out two really beautiful, epic EPs recently. And so we're so excited to speak to both of them today on the podcast. Please welcome them to the show. But don't forget to rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. You're a rather established artist who's very respected, and you work with a lot of other established artists. You produce, you write, mm-hmm. you do everything. Um, what first drew you to music? Wow. Uh, well, I think just, I mean, my dad's a musician, and I think so music was in my family, and, you know, even, I think, I mean, my mum sang and played like a couple of different instruments and you know so she wasn't a professional musician but she was interested in music and we would always sing like on the way down to go to the because like in England like back then like we weren't really going on holiday uh to Europe so I mean our family wasn't uh so we would go down to the seaside and or go camping or whatever and in the car on the way we would always sing harmonies so my, if my dad was singing something then me and my mum he like my mum kind of taught me or my dad as well taught me to harmonize with a three-part harmony uh and so it's kind of started when I was a kid just learning the ukulele um and then you know I was singing I have a recording of myself singing in the bath when I was three years old trying to sing uh sing on the dock of the bay uh by Otis Redding and you know butchering it but I was I was trying to sing it and I couldn't sing I couldn't say my s's at the time this was before I did like a little bit of speech therapy uh so I'd be like I just said it through my nose do you still have that recording yes I do I need to I need to find it I mean, I really don't have that much from my childhood. Like, that's still, except like, I think we have like one family, one or two family videos. But I mean, really, not a lot of artifacts, which I was just a bit sad. Really, I'd like to keep more of. You know, I don't know what's going to happen to like iPhone. You know, it's like I don't know how that stuff's going to keep being transferred. Like, how data. You know, so when we're older, and we're or you know much older maybe, and you're playing it to grandkids. Uh, hopefully then is you know how does how's that going to work i obviously you're british did you grow up um in london or more like in the in the countryside or was that an influence where you grew up on your music and yeah i grew up in um in london sort of like on the out i mean actually you say london or the countryside it was kind of halfway between you know i was uh, stuck in the middle of both really um on the outskirts of london um really you know if you went 20 seconds down the road, you were in countryside, the Greenbelt, uh, which is a preserved area of London that they, they don't build outside of. Uh, and inside, you know, 20 seconds inside and you were in a kind of metropolis. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a feeling of not quite being on the inside. Um, I think that affects your music. I think being, uh, coming, coming, fr- coming at the city as an outsider a little bit, um, 
kind of maybe uh, informs or, or sets up the conditions to be coming out music as an uh, as an outsider too. You definitely were someone who went from you know, being surrounded by music and loving it to being someone who's on, you know, the public stage in a big way. Mm-hmm. How did how did that happen? Was it a really easy, graceful thing or did it take a long time? In the grand scheme of life, I guess it was fairly quick. Um, but, you know, I, I did many years of just making music in my room uh, and being, you know, learning the tools and learning, you know, learning logic and you know i use uh, logic pro and just trying to you know i met it was it's like that kanye lyric you know was it three beats a day for three summers or i can't remember what five beats a day for five summers. i can't remember what it, i'm not you know far be it for me to misquote kanye but anyway so the <laughs> the the essence of it was like making as much i mean i have a catalog of of almost you know um and you know, hard drives full of almost, um, or even nevers. Um, but the process to, to getting signed or like being, you know, in those days, like getting signed, I guess was more important than it is now, uh, in the sense that independent music was, you know, doing things independently would, would have been a lot harder financially. So, but yeah, I, you know, I went to, I actually studied music at, at university, which I, I, I know I still don't know whether that was a good or a bad idea. Uh, there were there were good and good things about it and, and negative things, but I think what it did do was, you know, we had a student loan, which meant that I could for a couple of years just kind of not really do a lot of work and try and make it essentially in those in that sort of little uh, germination period. And luckily, the stuff that I submitted as my uh, coursework, shall we say. Um, ended up being um, what I put out into the world. So, like my my first EPs were actually like Klaviyevka EP, which I put out on RNS Records, was actually um, my coursework for my university degree. Um, and you know, I think I did okay on the on the degree, uh, and you know, did okay in the world as well. So it it was it was a I think that was a formative period for me, just like. You know, um, I wasn't very sociable, so I was just kind of making, mostly just making music at home and, and trying to use that time to do as much as I could. To, to so I was sending to labels, I was sending to, you know, sending very, you know, as much as I could, just sending CDs to people, giving CDs to people at club nights, you know, walking up to deep, my favourite DJs and just handing them a CD and just saying, please, can you listen to this? Like, you know, um very nervous, shaking, handing them the CD, like shaky like that. Um, and, uh, you know, giving them very, very shit explanations of what my music actually was. And, um, but yeah, so I guess when it all started kicking off, I guess it was by that time I'd, I'd wanted so badly for people to hear my music and, and I'd, I wanted to prove myself so badly that I saw it as, a, as a, ma- a massively good thing that I was going out on tour and I was doing these things. Um, but obviously those things come with a, a negative side too, because you're cut, you're torn away from there, from everything you know. And uh, there's a lot of kind of things that later catch up with you. 
Um, but yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question. No, it absolutely did. And thank you for sharing. Um, would I be right in, in assuming that you're kind of a loner artist in terms of how you make music more? Or are you a, from the ground up always collaborate? Is there always three people in your studio? Or does it really start with you? It starts with me. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for the most, yeah, I would say the vast majority of my music has started from an idea that came from, you know, me playing a keyboard or a piano or something like that in the studio. Um, there have been times more recently where I started working with uh, Dominic Maker, who is in a band called Mount Kimby, uh, who really changed the way I work um, because I, you know, m more often than not now, he'll come in with an idea and I'll react to it. So maybe it might be I have a melody that might work over it or, you know, maybe I'll put some chords under it and, and we'll just see what comes of it. Um, but very often, like, I enjoy having a catalyst now in a way that I think I just exhausted what I have in me. I th I do, I, I'm not sure if this applies to everyone, but I do think there's potentially, you know, you live your life up to a certain point and then you then hopefully some people hear what you've got to say and then the more you make on your own that it does feel like there isn't a limitless well of information to draw from you kind of you know you start needing to like like certain catalysts like other people's ideas in that process they kind of like light up maybe a synapse that wasn't firing in all those solo sessions. Uh, and I'm sort of still finding, you know, still finding those little light bulbs um, that have never been lit. Um, so I think that's more exciting to me at the moment. The, the idea of actually going into a studio on my own and just making entire tracks honestly makes me feel a bit depressed because it, 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 it reminds me of such a hard process that eventually kind of took me down quite a dark path because it's kind of lonely and it stops you from, you know, so I love playing, I love making music with other people. And actually the most fun thing is just playing music in a room with another musician. It's not even sitting at a computer and trying to piece blocks together. It's like actually just going and jamming and playing. Is this new EP, is that a more collaborative in the way that you're speaking about? Is that something you did with your yeah. partner? Yeah, I did it with a bunch of people in New York, um, to, to, to start with because the lockdown had just happened um and or covid had just sort of burst into the news and and we were un we were all completely unaware of how bad it was and you know it was like in the first few days and uh we all just wow, kind of you were in new york yeah well we're the one of the worst hit places yeah so we were right to stay in but we kind of just closed the button down the hatches basically and just stayed in like a bunker and like but we were at electric lady studios what it's so like, beautiful there i know i know Great. not the worst place to get stuck so <laughs> yes. i was there we were there for like a month and you know there was all sorts of musicians in there recording and it was a cool time it weirdly to a cool amount of time to spend there in a, an amazing place but it was like in such strange conditions so and I wanted to make dance music because because the, there was no way of going to clubs anymore. It was this like feeling of oh I should you know I should we should make some dance music. So it's really a solid 
EP. I really I, love I, it. And like I said, like every vocal thing is a hook. It's like, and you do just want to move to it. Uh, so whatever you were doing I, in lockdown with collaborators at Electric Ladyland, I think it, it plays. Well, you know, that, 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 um, I keep calling, I think it is the one that's the, the sort of much more tempo one is actually a cut, basically a, like an interpolation of a Charlotte Day Wilson song. Check her out. Because that song, the original song, is beautiful. And then when I first heard it, it was brought. Um, Eric, the architect from Flatbush Zombies, brought in the sample. He'd made this whole house thing out of it, uh, and he came and played it. And I thought, I, I just thought it must be like a, a, a kind of like hit from the seventies that I hadn't heard before. You know how sometimes someone plays something, you're like, how is that not like a smash? Like, I don't even understand. Um, from like that kind of era where the standard of the songwriting back then was so high that even unearthed gems are just, they feel like if they came out today, they'd be huge hits. Um, and it kind of felt like one of those. Um, and then I found out later that she was a current recording artist, you know, so it was very uh, funny realization. But anyway, so yeah, it's, uh, thanks. But thanks, thanks for saying that, but also like have to give credit where credit's due, you know, yeah, well, we love that about you too. And of course, because she was involved in that EP, um, in the, he was one of the one of the uh, lockdown crew. There he is. Hey. Uh, I'd just like to say, is that a friend of Jaguar in the background of you, yes, you there? That's my favorite guitar. That's the guitar I own, and I've loved and played for many years. Welcome, Kushi, to Launch Hello. Left. We want to talk with you about you about your music. Uh, I heard a rumor that you oh, recorded you so it at James's studio while he was away somewhere. Is that right? Yeah, that is true. Um, it was sort of the conceptual opposite of my first album, which I agonized over for so long and uh, to a painful, painful degree. And for this EP, I thought, what if I just go the opposite direction and me and my um, collaborator and friend, Josh, uh, we had a week alone in... James's house and we had the studio to ourselves and we just set ourselves a challenge of trying to write an album in a week and we said it doesn't matter like it doesn't have to be good we just said it's, it's just completion over quality and uh that's why you got this trashy pee no I'm kidding um we just <laughs> it really freed us up creatively and we just made and some of the stuff was completely unfit for human consumption and some of the stuff uh really loved and, and ended up on the EP. And uh, yeah, so it was a really liberating experience, just letting something f flow out and uh, like that, rather than kind of painstakingly agonize over it, yeah. <laughs> if it hadn't been for James, it may have taken longer, but he, you mixed it, is that right, James? Cushy basically had this brilliant album. And I think the, you know, that final stage of, of production uh, sorry of, of uh, mixing um can be such a barrier to to hearing your songs in their full form in their final form uh and you know in terms of what i actually brought to it i would say that i just kind of rounded some things off and and, and tried to try to be as sensitive as i possibly could to not really change it at all um and leave it completely intact as it was so that Cushy could just 
move on with it. That was really all it was. It was it was mm. it was kind of like um just the one percent sort of round off to say they're uh-huh. done. Because I actually think that like you know, left to our own devices as producers and it's very easy to just agonize over details forever um and never feel like something's finished because you know in a lot of ways you when do you ever really feel like a piece of music's finished i mean i I don't well would you say that i could use like the birthing analogy which is rarely done for two men that you were kind of like the midwife or the doula for his record you kind of helped get it out into the world yeah (laughs) not a good one (laughs) yeah yeah you say that when before i'd finished my first album um i had a bunch of pregnancy and birthing dreams where i was giving birth to a baby uh in my dreams and yeah and it just it it seemed unavoidably uh symbolic of this album that i felt like i'd just been carrying around for so long and unable to get out right and then just kind of getting close to completion just nine years yeah james was a yeah 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 (laughs) <laughs> um and james was uh, an exceptional midwife and dragging the baby out of me also appropriately i was in a, recently in a slow tie video where i actually was a baby and slow tie gave birth to me oh wow Sorry. this yeah. is all I'm making sense i don't know where that came from it just popped in my head and i said it and i mean it amazing. Was, yeah that's great it's awesome <laughs> So, so you mixed that record, then you made this EP in his home studio while he was away with, I think uh, you said your friend Josh, um, and you yeah, did it in a yeah. week. So from 10 years to making an EP in a week, I yeah. really love that exercise that you gave mm. yourself to do, to challenge yourself to basically opposite day, you know? Yeah, I think eventually I just got bored of my own slowness, bored of stagnation, and I thought, let's just try something else. And uh yeah, and it went well. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I wouldn't change anything about the way I did the first album. I think I had I had to do it that way. Uh, I felt really proud and 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 happy with it. But after a certain amount of time of working a certain way, I think it's actually me and James were talking about this the other day. It's like you know, there's no right or wrong way with music. Um, but what can be important is just every so often changing it up, um, changing up your approach. Mm-hmm. changing up the way you do things just to keep things fresh for yourself so you keep getting inspired in, in different ways uh, yeah i was inspired by a, a uh this um study that was someone told me about where basically they went into like an office and ch- like changed a bunch of different factors of, uh, about the work day uh to see what would impact pro- uh, productivity and whether it was turning all the chairs around and orientating the room differently or turning the making the blinds a little bit more open so it was more light coming in or giving mm. people coffee or whatever it was what they found is that it didn't matter what they changed as long as something changed productivity mm. went up yeah uh, and so i think music that has some significance in that you know like i think some of the the worst periods of stagnation i um i've ever experienced have just been when i haven't left the same room uh, for mm. a certain amount of time. Clean, you were saying that if you look at your phone the first thing of the day, then it's proven that you're less likely to want to engage with anything analog. Oh, yeah. Just because the dopamine hits 
art mm. from playing the piano or playing guitar or going and trying to make some music is just not um, comparable to what you get from your phone. Um, yeah, and that's it's more kind of slow release. Yeah. Yeah, and if you no, get that's brain, what we were talking about, but hooked on that. Um, that's elite. good for me to hear. Thank you for that, actually. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm the I'm the most addicted to my phone in probably in this chat. So I'm, oh, I'm pretty addicted. It's pretty bad. I'm pretty bad. Those little red notifications, they pretend to, to fill a hole they can never actually fill. Yeah, that's right. They keep us coming back like little raps in the lab. Yeah. <laughs> <A little more. laughs> please, please. So true. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah. did you both realize that you made EPs around the same time with two syllable titles, Before and Instincts, right? Oh, wow. James oh, wow. Blake Before. Who's copying instincts. who? Uh, is there anything else you want to share before we ask Sir James to launch you and speak oh. of your song and video? We did talk about the fact that you were part of his uh, quarantine lockdown artists in, in Electric Ladyland during the making. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it feels like a different age now, just before yeah. kind of coronavirus hit properly and the lockdowns came in. Um, and yeah, it was an incredibly creatively stimulating time to spend like, yeah, late nights in Electric Lady. And um, I remember just like walking back home through these cold New York streets, just like listening to bounces we just done on, on, on my phone um, in, in the at like four in the morning or something and yeah it was just really really fantastic fertile time uh and yeah hopefully we get to do that again sometime um, i would love to do that it was yeah. one of the most creative moments i can remember mm, really I think, it, I think it was this like if i had to name a more creative i can't think of a more creative time in my life than, mm. than that i mean yeah so many things like for both like we all of us made so much music. It wasn't just for my EP or whatever. It was there was so much made collaborations, like mm -hmm. you know, all sorts. Yeah, it was really wonderful. Yeah, there was something about the world shutting down. Like it actually, it seemed like you were so in the right place at the right time. Yet the like technically the epicenter of mm. the worst hit, but but that you could just make music and there wasn't like oh you have this interview, you have this thing, you have to be over here. Uh, All of mm. that shut down, and you guys. It felt like the eye of the storm. It felt like you know it was completely silent in the, in the middle. Like it really did. Definitely. Wow, that's so. But, that's, um, that's cool. Beyond that, I just guess like like to say thank you so much for having me on here. It's a wonderful um, podcast and and show, and I'm very uh, yeah. excited and honoured to be here. So thank you. Thank you both for being on here. I'm James Blake, and the artist I'd like to launch is Cushy with his song I Know.
Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left of center artists in all creative fields. <laughs> 